Boy, the year seems to be going so fast. Amen. It seems like it was just the other day. It was January. And here we are in the 11th month. And we're in our third week. And this month, we have been studying the commandments. Amen. And our focus scripture had been John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. And we went over last week some of the commandments that Jesus said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's Matthew 4.17. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew 22.37. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's a hard one. Sometimes we love ourselves more than we love other people. Amen. But Jesus commanded us that we were to love people the same way that we love ourselves. Today is called the golden rule, right? Do unto others. Amen. Of course, there's some people that don't treat themselves too good. I don't know if I want them uh, uh, treating me the way they treat themselves. Amen. But we, we want to be uh, fulfillers of his word. Love your neighbor as how you would love yourself. Then he said, the great commission in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say, teaching uh, uh, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so we're studying that today. If anyone wants to be first, here's another one. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and servant of all. Amen. We're called to be servants. As I taught a few months ago that the greatest title you can be called is what? servant if you're a servant of the living god man that that means you have arrived pastor apostle doctor but if you're a servant of god you know what that means you belong to him you belong to him that's the highest title you can have and that's why so many times in his epistles paul started off by saying i paul a servant and it really is much deeper than that. It's really a bond slave. That means an indentured servant. He, he could not pay back. We cannot pay back what Christ has done for us. Amen. So he who wants to be first, he must be the very last. And of course, one of the greatest examples of that is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Isn't that amazing? I, I imagine they were astonished when he started to wash their feet. And you know, Peter said, no, no, you can't do that. You know, but he, he said, listen, you don't understand what I'm doing, but you will. But if I don't wash your feet, what? You have no part with me. And then Mark 1, 15, repent and believe the good news. He, he went around after he was baptized and started to preach the same message, really, as John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Uh, do to others as you would have them do to you. Again, that's repeated in Luke six thirty one. In many of the Gospels, some of the things are repeated and, and are in the same uh, vein, but in different Gospels. Love your enemies. Do good to them who hate you. Boy, that's, that's another one. That's another one. Can you think of someone who hates you? I can't really think. I don't, I'm sure there's people who don't like me, but I can't really think of anyone who hates me. Um, and I'm glad for that. I wouldn't even want to know. Right? I wouldn't even want to know really because that might ruin your day. Right? You might be thinking about what they're thinking. I don't want to know really. I'm so glad that as far as I'm concerned, you all love me. <laughs> I love you. Amen. Love your enemies. Do good to those 
who hate you. My father used to say, and at the time when I was growing up, I wasn't so sure about it. He would say, love wins love. And uh, uh, what he was meaning is if you just keep showing love, eventually, eventually, it may take a long time, may even take years, eventually love wins. Love wins over hate. Amen. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Right? That's what the, the scripture says, forgive. Jesus told that we were to forgive. Right? We were to forgive and you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, it says, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. So we should, we should, we should have nobody that we have anything against. We, we need to be, we need to have forgiven. Right? Amen. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Take up your cross and follow me. We talked about that one. That the Bible says if you're going to follow him, if you're going to be his disciple, you've got to take up your own cross. That's why your problems may not be the same as mine. You may have a prettier cross than me. Yours may be all gold and got jewels in it. But then on the other hand, maybe it's too heavy for me to even lift. It may look good, but maybe I don't want to touch it. Take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says the, the servant is not greater than the master. So whatever Jesus went through, don't be surprised if you have to deal with the same thing. Amen? Don't be surprised if you have to deal with the same thing or they will come against you because Jesus went through it, right? They, they, they despised him. They, they called him names. They said he was illegitimate, right? They said, we know who our father is. <laughs> you know, that was hint, hint. We know how you were born. You know, we know who our father is. Who are you? You come to tell us anything. Do not worry about your life. Here's another one that's hard, right? Because a lot of us are worriers. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Matthew six twenty five. Amen. Because he went on to say, listen... You can't make yourself taller by thinking about it. I certainly would have if I could have done that. <laughs> I would just want a few more inches, right? To all you tall people out there. <laughs> hey, hey. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. That's Matthew. That, these are some specific commands in general that Jesus taught his disciples and through them us let's look at another one let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven that means that as a church and i talked about it last week we need to be good to even people who don't even come here right not because we're trying to get self-glory but that it honors him it honors christ because we don't, we want the church to be have a be able to witness, and we can't be telling people about Christ if we're not loving, if we're not kind. Now that doesn't mean we give away everything. We have to be good stewards of what God has given us. But when someone is in need, and and and, and there is a, a genuine need, we we and we can we try and help. So these were some personal sorry these were commands that were to everybody but jesus also gave some personal specific commands to his disciples we're going to look at some of those and these were given to the disciples 
personally. And some of them, uh, you have to dig deep to, to get a full understanding. So let's look at some of the personal commands. This week, we're going to look at delegated authority because he gave his disciples authority. He said, I'm going to give you authority over uh, um, serpents and, and, and snakes, and I'm, I'm going to give you authority over the enemy. He gave them authority. So let's look at a couple things that he told them. In John chapter 20, verse 23, he says this, Whosoever sins he remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins he retain, they are retained. Now that one's a whole Bible study by itself. I'm not going to get into that in very deep, but Jesus said it to them. Matthew 16, 19, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Acts 2.42, after the day of Pentecost, the Bible said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. So Jesus, knowing now that he was going, delegated some authority to his disciples. Now we see that after he rose from the dead, and uh, even though they knew that, guess what some of them did? Where did he find them? Fishing. They went back to exactly where he called them from. Isn't that something when sometimes God takes us out of something and then we get lost and we end up back exactly where he found us. And this was the case where some of them went back to doing fishing. After all that three and a half years of ministry of seeing the miracles and, and seeing what God had called them to do, we find them, especially Peter, back fishing. So Jesus had to give him Peter, a personalized command. Let's look at that. John 21, 14. So Jesus can give a personalized command. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. This is after his resurrection, that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, if you remember the story, they're out fishing. And again, the scene is repeated. They're catching nothing. See, God wanted to set the scene up to show them to bring back to their remembrance where he called them from. They were catching nothing. And suddenly they see Jesus on the beach. And he tells them to throw down the net. And the miracle is repeated that happened three and a half years ago where Peter came to the shore and he says, I'm an unclean man. He realized that Jesus was calling him. And this time he jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. And so Jesus this time had cooked for them a breakfast. When they came ashore, there was food already prepared. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and this is a personal command now, Simon, son of Jonas, and I've pointed out that anytime he's uh, kind of giving him um, correction, so to speak, he always says Simon. When, when he's in faith, he says Peter. Have you noticed that? He says to him, Simon this time, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Is this what I called you for? Is this fish and food is what I call you to do? Sometimes God wants us to focus on what he wants us to do. What, instead of what we want to do. Lovest thou me more than these? Now, Peter thinks he's, you know, he's, he's, he's answering from his heart. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto me, feed my sheep. Sorry, feed my lambs. Here is a personal command to Peter. Delegating to him that he was going to have to go and preach the gospel. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? 
He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. This is the second time now Peter has declared his love for Christ. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, hurt, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, I've got a question for you all. Why do you think this happened? What Peter said was true. Jesus knew his heart. Why did Jesus ask him three times? Actually, this was after that. That's right. That's right. He got Peter to say he loved him three times. Why? He had denied him three times. Do you see it? He had denied him three times, and he wanted Peter to confess three times that he loved him. Amen. See, God always has a purpose for what he's doing. We may not see it right away. We may not see it right away, but he had a purpose. He wanted Peter, just as how he had vocally declared, I don't know the man. Right? Three times he had denied that he knew Jesus. He'd even cursed. He'd even cursed. So this time publicly, Jesus was getting him to absolutely say that he loved him. Isn't that awesome? God may put you in a spot where you have to decide if you're going to publicly declare that you love him. Right? They're going to ask you, are you one of them Pentecostals? (laughs) Are you one of them Pentecostals? Do you believe in all that stuff? Do you believe in the gifts of the spirit? Amen. You do all that stuff? See, he's, there may come a time when you're going to have to publicly declare. You're going to have to publicly declare. I told some of you the story uh, uh, that I, I was told, and I don't know, you know where it came from, but in the time of the persecution during the Roman Empire, when the Christians were having to hide to go to church, they were all hiding in this um, house in Rome, and all these Roman soldiers broke in. And the soldiers came in and they had their spears and they said, okay, everyone who will, will deny Christ, you can leave right now and we're not going to arrest you. Everyone else who's going to stay, you're going to be arrested and probably put to death. And maybe one or two people left. Then the centurion shut the door. He commanded the door to be shut and they all thought, well, this is it. We're going to be killed. Then he took off his hat and he says, I'm a Christian. I'm a book. He just wanted to see who was really in this thing, who really was willing to give their life. Now, it hasn't come to that yet in America, but who knows? The day may come when Jesus will come to you and say, do you love me? Lovest me more than these? And we're going to have to make a public declaration of our faith. We won't be able to be like Nicodemus and Hyde go at night and ask him. <laughs> no. We, we won't be able to be a secret disciple. In Jesus' time, there were some disciples who, because of their position, they didn't want to, to be let out of the closet, to use a term, right? They were secret disciples. There's coming a day when you will not be able to be a secret disciple. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Isn't that what he said? We're going to have to make sometimes a public declaration of whether we are in this thing or not. Amen. 
I hope you are ready because he's going to come and ask you, do you love me? And you notice saying I love him wasn't good enough. Saying that he loved him was not good enough. There was a condition to it. Right? Because we all can say we love him and do nothing. What was the condition? What did Jesus then tell him? Right. Remember, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. So there will be a condition. Love is really an action verb, right? Uh, my dad used to tell the story of this old curmudgeon guy, right? You know, in the days of the buggies and the, the horses, right? And his, he'd been married 40 years and his wife says to him, look, you never tell me anymore you love me. Why don't you ever do that? And he says, well, I told you 40 years ago and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> right? We don't want to be like that. No, we should tell Jesus we love him every single day. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the grace that you have given me. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for all that you've been... I mean, really our prayer should be 90% thanksgiving, shouldn't it? Who was it who said that Sister, Mary, Sister Johnny in her prayer that we have nothing to complain? I don't have nothing to complain about. Not a single thing. Not a single... God has just been so good to me. Better than I deserve. Everybody at my workplace knows that. They all say to me, I shouldn't have asked you that because I know what you're going to say. Anytime I get in a meeting and they say, how are you doing? They know what I'm going to say. I'm doing better than I deserve. Right? Because God has been so good to me. God has been good to you. Amen. God has been so good to you. I'm so glad to see Pastor Reese. Amen. We, we're so grateful that you're here. Amen. 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 So Jesus sometimes gave personal commands so as that some, someone's faith would be renewed, especially Peter. Because you know how he must have felt. The Bible said after the cock crowed three times, it suddenly hit him and it came back to him what Jesus had told him he was going to do. And the Bible said he went out and bitterly wept. He realized how terrible a thing he had done to deny Christ after being with him for so long. And he was the one that was willing at the time to draw out his sword and, and fight. You know what that tells me? No matter how strong you think you are, we all have moments of weakness. There, there I go, but for the grace of God. That's why we always have to be humble and never think ourselves to be something we're not because none of us can make it without God's grace and his love. Amen. So we see that Jesus also gave personal commands. He gave a personal, let's look at another person he gave a personal command to, and that was Paul. He gave personal commands to Peter. And as Peter was being talked, he said, well, what about that fellow? Sometimes we want to get into other people's business. He was looking at John, John, the other apostle. He says, well, what are you going to tell him? Don't worry about what God has got for somebody else. Amen. Just worry about what he's saying to you. Amen. What he's saying to you. Right? Because as we discussed, the body is not all the head. Each of us have our gifting, right? Each of us have our calling. The Bible says when he, when he arose, he gave gifts to men. He gave everyone who wants it and repents the Holy Spirit. But with that, he also gave a, a ministry gift. 
Amen. Amen. We, we taught some months ago about the very first gift, right? Anyone remember that? Anyone remember what I said was the first gift? Now, this is just my opinion now. Grace. Grace. And that's why he was so mad with the guy that, with the one talent. Because he buried the grace. He did nothing with it. Right? When we're given grace, what does that mean we're supposed to do with that grace? That's right. Amen. And that's why, you know, we look at it and say, well, that seems so unfair. He preserved the, the one talent and he brought it back to Christ. But if you understand the symbology, we're all given grace. Bible says, while we were yet sinners, while we had done nothing, right, Christ died. So if we're given that grace, that means we've got to do something with it. We've got to respond to it. Amen. The Bible says Christ died for the whole world. But the whole world is not going to be saved unless you respond to the grace. Amen. So we see that Jesus gave personal commands. And he did this specially to Peter because he knew Peter was just going to be defeated from that point on. Knowing what he had said about Christ, he probably said, I can never be used. I'm so useless. I mean, I I cursed him out right in his face. I can never be used. Isn't God's grace awesome? He had to come to Peter and tell him, Peter, I still have a mission for you. I'm going to give you a command. Feed my sheep. Feed my... And he had to tell it to him three times because Peter had cursed him out three times. Now, we have another person where God gave a personal command to. We're talking this month about the commandments. And that was the Apostle Paul. Let's look the story. He was on his way to Damascus, right? Carrying letters from the high priest to do what he had already been doing, which was putting Christians in prison and, and torturing them, have, trying to get them to, to, to do what Peter did, to curse Christ, to, to, to go back and say that's all nonsense. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, here's something that's very interesting. Paul asked the right question. (laughs) Who art thou? A lot of people don't really know Christ. They think they do, but they don't. He asked the question, who art thou? He he thought he was obeying God, didn't he? He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was doing God's will, and yet he was persecuting Christ. So, but he, he wised up and he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In those days, they would have these carts, and for the rebellious horses or animals, they would have little uh, pointed stakes sit, uh, coming out the back of the cart so that if the animal tried to kick, it would soon learn to stop doing that, right? And that's exactly what Paul was doing. He was kicking against the sharp sticks that were, uh, that were coming out the back of the cart. They did that to train the animals so that they would obey, so that when they were told to go, they would go instead of trying to kick back, which is what they would do. But after a while, doing that a little bit, the animals soon realized that wasn't a good idea. God was telling uh, Paul, that's not a good idea because you don't even know who you're fighting. You're not going to win this battle, Paul. You're either going to submit or you're going to lose. And he trembling, astonished. This was such a revelation to him who it was he had been fighting. 
who he had been. But I have to give Paul credit that when he saw, he said, I, when I saw the truth, he, he didn't try to fight it anymore. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, see, the first question is, who are you? The next question is, what do you want me to do? Amen. When God calls us, he doesn't call us to just call us. He calls us to do something. That's the second question here. What will thou have me to do? Now here's a command from Jesus. Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. It's going to be told you what you're going to do. This was a personal command to Paul and he was obedient. He didn't say, why can't you tell me now? (laughs) You know, like my kids want to know. I told you they gave me a t-shirt that says, because I said so. (laughs) On my 53rd birthday, they all got together, gave me a t-shirt said, because I said so. Because they claim that I don't explain stuff. I just tell them to do it. Well, when we're dealing with Jesus, don't be fighting him and asking him to give you explanations. Because he's, the, he's, the, he's the, the number one because I told you. <laughs> you do it just because he said so. Because he is God Almighty. He doesn't have to give us any explanation. When he was washing their feet, they didn't understand that either. And he said, you don't understand what I'm doing. But you will. So sometimes we just have to listen and obey. So God told him, listen, here's what I want you to do. Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So we see that Jesus in his lifetime, during his ministry, he gave commands. When near the end of his ministry, he knew he was leaving. He had to now set up the authority for his will to be continued by delegating his commands to his disciples. And he started authorizing them to do things in his name. Amen? So that's why in Acts chapter 2.42 on the day of Pentecost, it then says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They didn't continue in their own doctrine, but they continued in the apostles' doctrine. But where does that authority come from? Well, as I said, when Jesus was coming near, when he knew he was going to be crucified, he started setting up the organization that would later be called the church. He started delegating his disciples and he changed their name from disciples to what? Apostles. Apostles. Meaning now they had authority. Disciple is just a follower. But an apostle is someone who is given a, a, a commission. Who is given not just a a follower, but someone who can speak on behalf of. And so you will find that all of the people who were designated apostles were given a personal commission. That means they spoke personally with Christ. Now Paul wasn't there during Christ's earthly ministry, but he had a personal commission. He spoke directly with Christ. Now I do believe that there, there could be apostles. The Bible tells us that there are apostles even today but i believe if you're going to call yourself an apostle you're going to have to have that same experience you're going to have to have that personal personal commission personal commission from christ right so they they challenged jesus and his authority in mark chapter 127 they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying what thing is this what new doctrine is this for with authority he commandeth We're talking about the commands. He commands even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. Of course, the one that shocked his disciples was when he was on the sea. They had seen miracles. They had seen people get healed. 
but the wind, even the winds and the waves obey him. When Jesus speaks, even nature has to listen. Amen. I've said so many times and we're going to say it again. When he says, let there be. Amen. When Jesus says, let there be, the only answer is, and it was so. That's the, that, there's no fighting that. When Jesus speaks three words, let there be. When he said, let there be light, the answer is, and there was light. When he said, let the earth bring forth out of the sea, the earth, the land appeared out of the sea. Ten times he says, let there be, and the answer is, wouldn't it be great if God spoke, let there be into our lives, into our situation. Because then you know there's only going to be one answer. And it was so. There's not going to be any fighting. Last week we showed how he had commanded the, the servants to go and take the six jars of water and fill it to the brim. And Mary said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. She got the principle. She got the principle whatsoever he saith unto you. Even if it sounds crazy, do it. Amen. And it was in the doing that the water became wine. It was the obedience to the lepers that they were healed. They could have said, wait a minute now. That's not how you healed the last person. You didn't send him to the priest. Why do we have to go? Why can't you just speak the word now? Well, he could, but he didn't. He probably wanted to show how obedience is part of getting your answer. Naaman didn't want to go dip in the water. He was, he was about to go all the way back to his country. He didn't want to, listen, I've got some more beautiful rivers than this old muddy, dirty Jordan. And you didn't even come out and greet me properly. But his servant said, listen, if he'd commanded you something great, what would you have done? You'd have done it. And it was in the obedience that his faith was rewarded. So now they challenged Jesus and said, well, with what authority do you do this? But you'll find that Jesus wasn't going to give them the answer. So he said, well, with what authority did John the Baptist do his stuff? If you answer me that, then I'll answer you mine. And they didn't want to answer that. You know why? Because if they said that John's authority was from God, then he would say, well, why didn't you obey him? And they didn't want to get themselves in that. They said, well, I don't know. You can't out-wisdom God. (laughs) You're not going to win that battle, right? So Jesus, as I said, transferred his authority, gave authority. We read that. He said, with whatever sins you remit shall be remitted. He said, whatever you bind. He was setting up apostolic authority on earth in his name. Because he knew he was going and he knew that there had to be uh, the, the gospel preached through Man, his disciples. So he changed their names, their title, no more from disciples to apostles. Let's look at that. Luke 6, 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them, because he had a lot, he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Apostles. And that's a different thing. Because apostle means sent. That means a personal commission. Let's look at, at that because... He gave a personal command to these 12. You're no more just disciples, but I'm designating you apostle. That means you're my personal representative. Let me go forward here. 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? What does it say? Commandment of, our, of God, our Savior. 
So to be an apostle, it's got to be a special commission. I mean, I can call myself an apostle, but if I haven't seen the risen Christ and he hasn't spoken to me directly, I can call myself Dr. Whatever, (laughs) and it doesn't mean anything. So we see that in every single case someone was called an apostle, it was a personal one-on-one. Personal one-on-one. See, we're called, we're all called to be disciples. Amen. We're all called to be followers. Right? We're all called, but, but to be called an apostle was a personal command. In fact, if you look at uh, the definition there, it says a delegate, messenger, one sent forth with orders. With orders. That means something they have to do. I've said, and you can look in the, in the New Testament, you'll find that there were actually some women that were designated apostles. In fact, the first person to meet him after the resurrection, who was that? And what did he commission her to do? He gave her a personal commission. Go and tell my disciples, those low faith men, <laughs> those low faith men, that what I told them was going to happen has happened. That I have risen. See, if they had been high faith men, they'd have been hanging around the garden. Wouldn't they? He said, listen, I'm going to rise again. He told them that. But they had gone back and was wondering what to do. They were just bumbling around and woe is me. And all. Go and tell my disciples. <laughs> he called them disciples this time because they, they weren't there. And he gave Mary a personal commission. And he sent her to go and tell his disciples, listen, what I told you has happened. And even then they were in doubt. They, they ran back, a couple of them ran back to see if it was true. And it wasn't until he personally appeared in the midst of them that they all believed. And then the one who wasn't there still didn't believe. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, how does that, how do you become an apostle? By commandment. By commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So the apostles were a certain category that is different because we find in Revelation it says that there are 12 stones on which were the apostles is the foundation. They were the ones who first came to Christ, who first were directly trained by him. And even then you had one of them that gave him trouble. Jesus said, haven't I called all of you and one of you is a devil? You know, that, that tells you if the greatest teacher in the whole world ever still could not ha- get more than 12 people and you always have somebody there who was going to go the other way. He, he's the greatest. Then what say us? We, that means we're always going to face opposition because we're not greater than our master, right? So the apostle was done by commandment. We're studying the commandments. And to be an apostle, you had to have a direct command from Christ. It means a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders, specifically applied to the 12 apostles of Christ. Now today it's very common, everybody calls himself apostle. And um, what I want to know is, did they have a personal one-on-one with Jesus Christ? Did he speak to them directly and give them a personal commission? Because that's the example we find in the New Testament. So he sent them to preach. 
Because now he was going. He now relayed what he had he had told them while he was alive and then gave them the commission and now authority to go and preach in his name. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. We are all called to proclaim the word of God. Amen. What we're doing in here is just encouraging one another. But what we are really called to do is to proclaim the word of God. Now, I'm not saying we're not to come together. We are. To encourage one another, to study God's word, to lift one another up. Amen. But we're all called to proclaim the word of God. That's one of his commands. Because the question is, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It takes... You can't get faith unless you know about it, right? As I, I keep on saying, one of these, I really am going to put a $100 bill right underneath here. And I'm going to say, first one who believes me, come and get it. <laughs> one of these Sundays, I'm going to do it. So what this shows you is that you can't come to faith Unless there's someone going to tell you about it. And that's what we've been commissioned, commanded to do. Because when, uh, when they started to preach the gospel, like in, in Acts 19, when Paul came across um, the, the disciples of John, he said, have you received the Spirit since you believe? Have you received? They said, we haven't even heard there be a Holy Ghost. <laughs> Nobody had told them. Right? The angel hadn't told them. So Paul had to tell them. We have to tell them. That's one of the commandments. We have to go out. The Great Commission, right? And we have to tell them. We have to tell them what Jesus commanded us. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Even the great apostle Paul, remember what Jesus commanded him to do? Jesus didn't tell him what to do. What did Jesus tell him to do? Go, and then someone is going to come and tell you. That's right. Ananias is going to come and tell you what to do. Even Jesus didn't tell him what to do. What he told him to do was to obey. Go to Damascus and wait. And someone is going to come and preach to you what you need to hear. Right? And so how shall they preach except they be sent? That's why we have so much bad teaching and doctrine. Because there's so many people who have not been sent. They just went. <laughs> they weren't sent. They just went. And my former preacher told me about a story of a, a, a young man in the church. And he came up to his pastor and said, I had a vision. And, and in, I had this dream. And in this dream, I saw this big cloud. And it formed a GP. And I think it means go preach. <laughs> and the pastor said, no, I think it means go pray. How can they preach except they be sent? Right? How can you preach truth except you be sent? And where does truth come from? Word of God. That's why we have God's written word, the graphe word. The, that's where we get the word graphics from. It's the Greek for written word, right? But here's what the scripture goes on to say. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Right? For Isaiah, that's Isaiah saith, who hath believed our report? Now there's something really interesting going on in that verse. You see I've highlighted, obeyed the gospel, believed our report. You know what the writer is doing? The writer of Romans here is doing, he's equating faith with action. If you had obeyed the gospel, that means you'd have believed the report. If you don't believe the report, then you won't obey the gospel. Do you get it? For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our... When we believe, we obey. If you, when you see the traffic light turn red, if you believe it's really red, what are you going to do? Except in Milwaukee. <laughs> A lot of people, they just... They believe and they disobey. <laughs> so then faith, verse 17, cometh how? By hearing. And hearing? Okay, so you're not going to get faith without hearing the word of God. And how are you going to hear the word of God? Somebody has got to tell you about it, right? Even Paul, the great apostle Paul, in his initial coming to faith... Ananias had to go and tell him what to do. Jesus told him, you go and you wait till someone comes and tells you what to do. It's the same with Cornelius. The angel came to him and wouldn't tell him the gospel message. Right. Because God has decided that it takes a man. That's just how it is. Because how shall they hear without a preacher? Now that's why we have been sent to go out there and proclaim the name of God. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? When Paul confronted those disciples of, of John, they said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Well, we, we have never heard of a Holy Ghost. So then he asked them, how have you been baptized? And then he explained to them that John's baptism was what? Unto repentance. But now Jesus has come, who John said, he must increase and I must decrease. Amen. And so then, then they obeyed because now they believed. So God set up this plan that he gave commandment that we are now to represent him. We are now to go out there and proclaim the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as I said, Lord, who hath believed our report? And so, yes, God has called us to preach the word of God. Amen? Amen. So now let's look at some of the other commands he gave to his disciples. Acts 10, 42. Here is what I said. And he, here's Peter. Here's Peter before Cornelius. And he's saying that Jesus commanded him to do what? To preach, to proclaim unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. In other words, the living and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, through his name, let's say through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. In Luke 24, 46, and it said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Again, he, they're proclaiming what Jesus told him, what told them, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning where? At Jerusalem. Now, remember, during his ministry, he commanded the disciples, don't you go to any Gentiles, only go to the household of Israel. Don't go in any Samaritan villages, because he had to first present himself to Israel. 
But after he was rejected, after the cross, he then said, now I want you to start, start in Jerusalem, but then go to Samaria, Judea, and then to all nations, right? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So let's look at this a little bit deeper because he gave commands to his apostles because he knew he was going to continue the work. And we find in Acts chapter 1 where Luke is the writer of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He says, the former treatise speaking about the book of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had done what? Given commands. He through the Holy Ghost had given commands. He knew he was going so he through the Holy Ghost gave commands. If it's the commands are from the Holy Ghost, what does that mean we are to do? Obey. Obey. And who did he give the commands to? Unto the apostles whom he had personally chosen. Amen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after his crucifixion, by many infallible proofs. That's why in Peter it says he was seen by over 500. Wow. Over 500 people after the crucifixion saw the risen Christ. It says by many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the reason why in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 it's called the apostles doctrine is because that's what God commanded them to do. He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. He told them what to do, and they were obedient to the command. Amen. So the authority that he gave him gave them was based upon the word. Amen? And who is the word? That's right. John 1, 1. In the beginning, and the word was with God. You got it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So the the commands came by the word and the word was God. Amen. So all they were doing was carrying out what he had told them to do. Through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So some people want to say, well, I don't have to listen to the apostles. Well, here Jesus is telling you, yes, you do. Through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles who he chosen. So when you listen to the apostles, you're only listening to the word of God. Because he showed them that he was supposed to do it. Through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles. So the authority then is based upon the word. Amen. And that's why Paul in Hebrews, sorry, in Acts 17, when he was preaching, he said that the the Bereans were more what? No, why? Because they checked him. They searched the scripture to find, they checked him. You're not supposed to believe everything I say unless you do what? You check it. If I don't have scripture and verse for it, then you don't have to believe it. If the apostles didn't teach it or do it, then you don't have to believe it. Amen? Because that's what we're taught. We have to, we're given the written word so that we don't do any private interpretation. All scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture. The amazing thing is when the disciples were preaching, they didn't have the New Testament. It hadn't been written. So that means they were able to preach Christ and all the things that came from it, the baptism, the Holy Spirit, everything from the Old Testament. 
And that's why when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, you're a master of the Jews and you don't know this? He should have known it. Let's look at where the authority comes from. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by where? That means God breathed. God breathed, inspiration. When you, when you, when you inhale, and that's, that's uh, the respiratory cycle. Amen. Uh, one time I, I volunteered in a hospital when I was much younger. And I was hoping for something glamorous. You know, they were going to put me in some glamorous position. They put me in the geriatric ward. <laughs> Those of you who know anything about that, that means cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. <laughs> cleaning, doing bed baths and stuff and cleaning. Anyway, this guy came in and I don't know what, hit, what happened. And I'd never seen this, this before. I went in there and I had on, I had on. I had on a white jacket, so they must have thought I was a doctor. So I, I was probably looking too young to be a doctor, but anyway. So I came in, and I must be his family, and they say, Doctor, is it, is it okay if we give him some of this? They brought in some wine or something. I said, wait a minute. No, you can't ask me. I don't have no command. I don't have no authority to tell you what to do here. You have to speak to the real. See, some people look like they have authority. <laughs> They got on the jacket that they look like the doctor. But don't ask them because you may get the wrong advice. You see, he, he, that, that, that man, he, he did pass. But what was struck me when I went in a few hours later, I thought he was dead. Because I was looking at him and he didn't move. And then it was like 30 seconds. He took in one breath. And then he, his, his respiratory cycle was so slow. Right? He wasn't dead, but he was, he was in that, in that mode. The, the breathing that we have from God shouldn't be so slow that we look like we're dead. We need to breathe in and out of the Holy Spirit every day. I thought, I thought he was dead because I was looking, and I was about to call the nurse and then, I, it must have been 20, 30 seconds. And it was another 30 seconds before, before he took another breath. That's not, that, we must not look like we're dead if we're Christians. <laughs> the Bible said in him is life. Right? If we've been, if we've been, if we've been breathing in God's word, we should have life. All scripture is, is given by the breathing, the inspiration. That's where the word comes from of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Even the boring bits, you know, he begat this and he begat that. And, you know, you have some chapters, that's all they are. And you wonder, well, what, what use is this? Why is this in the Bible? But yet, you know, if you do the study and you actually dug into it and you took the names, it's actually telling you a story. Isn't that amazing? The first 10 names in the Bible are a prophecy. Man made mortal, but the blessed God, you know, Adam, Seth, Enoch, the names actually tell a story. All the way down to Noah, the blessed God shall descend, Mahalalel, and his death, Methuselah, shall bring the despairing Lamech. Noah means comfort. Isn't that amazing? Embedded in the names that you think are boring is a prophecy. That's why it says all scripture. Jesus said not one tittle, not one yod. You can't remove any of it. And you can't put anything in there. You got to go with what the word says. So our authority is based upon the written word. And everything I say, you need to go check it. 
See, if you want to be noble as the Bereans, you got to go check it. Amen. And here, of course, is the Great Commission. As he was leaving in Matthew 28, 19, it's called the Great Commission. This is where he tells us that we're supposed to go do this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the Father, that's the pronoun, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. That's what that word observe means. All that I have commanded. I've said so many times that God's word is not a buffet. Last week we showed how Ezekiel had to eat the whole scroll. John in Revelation had to eat the whole scroll. Some people, they only like the the love parts of the gospel. God is love, God is this. And they don't want the fact that God is also a God of justice. He's also a God of wrath. And he must be tore up when he looks at the situation in this world. I can't. I can't believe how he must feel when he looks at what he created and what mankind has come to. In Jeremiah, it even says that it never even entered his mind what they would do. They were offering their babies in sacrifice. Three times in the book of Jeremiah, God says it never entered my mind that they could be so wicked. That they were actually taking their children and sacrificing them. You know, all of this 6,000 years is being stored up. And the wrath of God is going to be poured out. The Bible says in Revelation, without measure. I don't want to be here. You don't have to be here. All you have to do is obey. Paul said, I didn't waste the grace. I didn't, I was obedient. I was obedient to the word. See, and when we do that, he has promised that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So God gave them authority to do things. Right? And the Bible says in Psalms 119, 89, forever. That's a long time, isn't it? How long is forever? Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. It's not going to change. He says, I am God and I do what? Changeth not. So he gave authority. Some of his commands were personal, like to Peter and to Paul, but some of them are to all of us. We can't say, no, that's for him. That's not, I'm not the pastor, so I can't go witness. I can't pray. For, no, we're commanded, all of us, to pray. Isn't that right? It's not just for me. Uh, a, a pastor I know called, was telling me the other day, uh, maybe a few months ago, he said someone called him up like at 2 a.m. and wanted him to come out and pray. And he said, listen, you have the Holy Ghost? Yes. Can you lay hands on somebody? Yes. Okay, well, then you just go ahead and do that. If you have the Holy Ghost... And are truly walking with God. I don't have no more power than you. I don't. It's for us to fulfill and obey what God has commanded us to do. Now we may have different giftings, right? I mean, I can't do certain things. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like Brother Joe. I can't, I'm not skilled in making stuff. I, that's not my, that's not my gifting, right? And, and I can't sing. For sure I can't sing. I, I make a joyful croak. Amen. But I love God. And I know, and I know what gift He has given me. And I'm gonna try to make the most of it. I'm gonna pretty up my one gift and I'm gonna try and work as hard as I can with whatever gifting He has given me, right? Because we are commanded to obey. Amen. So Jesus, knowing He was gone, and I'm, I'm emphasizing this 
because we're talking this month about the commandments. Mark 13.34, he gave an analogy in a parable. He says, for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house. And what did he do? What does it say? Gave authority. to his. What does that mean? It means that they have the power to, to do things, right? It's like Abraham. Here's a big example. Abraham had his head servant and he gave him a huge job. What, did the, what was the job he gave his servant to do? Man, that, that's some responsibility. He said, I want you to go back to my, uh, where I came from and I want you to find a wife for my son. See, God gave his servants authority and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch the door. So the Bible says that, that, that the, the pastor's like the porter, the watchman at the gate. So he's given me commands. I'm supposed to watch the door. Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples and gave them power and what? Authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry, that means what? Wait. See, there was a gap between the end of the law and the coming of the church age. There was that 50 days he said to wait. So I told him, don't you go preaching yet. You need to wait in Jerusalem until once you have been endued with power, then you don't stay in Jerusalem. You know what they did? They stayed in Jerusalem. So what did he have to do to make a move? Persecution. See, that's what made them decide, okay, it's getting too hot in Jerusalem. We better go somewhere else and start spreading the gospel. Because they were so comfortable. God was blessing. Pharisees are coming. Priests are coming. But that's not what God told them to do. He told them to go into all the world, right? Start at Jerusalem, but don't stay there. Don't stay where you are if God has given you a vision. Spread the word. Amen? He called his 12 disciples... He gave them power and authority. You have been given power and authority. Now you may not feel like that, but that's what God says he's given. If you're filled with the spirit, if you're walking according to his word, if you're aligned with his call and his will, then you have authority. Amen. When uh, Elisha was following Elijah, he said, he got the promise. If you see me when I go, then you'll have double the power. So you know what Elisha said? I'm not letting you out of my sight. I'm going to follow you all over the place. Elijah probably got tired of it. He says, why don't you stay here? <laughs> take a rest. Take a seat a little bit. I'm just going, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not letting you out my sight. Listen, if God has given you a promise, don't let that promise escape you. Amen. Don't let that promise escape you. You hold on tight to it. So he saw him get carried up. And then the next thing he did, he's going to try it out. He caught the man and said, where is the God of Elijah? I saw him do this. I want this to happen for me too. Amen. I'm going to try it out. I want to see the miracles that God has promised us. Amen. But we're not always walking in the faith that we're supposed to. Amen. We're not aligned with God's will sometimes. Sometimes we want to to do it our way instead of his way. So he called his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority. Then he told them just before he went, now I'm, I'm giving you a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but you got to wait. That's some of the things we hate doing. You like waiting? So one of the things I am not good at is waiting, right? I want something to happen. And he didn't tell them how long. They had to just obey. Sometimes waiting on God is, it seems to be the hardest thing, right? 
Because you don't know when it's going to happen. You just have to be obedient and trust. We look at the example in the Old Testament of Daniel praying for 21 days. Three weeks fasting and praying and not, it was only on the 21st day that the angel showed up. Suppose he had quit about day 18 and says, well, looks like nothing's happening. I'm just going to give up. No, he that endureth to the, the same shall be saved. If you're in this Christian walk, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You have to endure. You have to go through some things. Amen. But if you do, God will reveal himself to you. Amen. You have to be ready to, to, to endure. He said, wait until you be endued with power from on high. If we're patient, if we're patient, what does the scripture say about patience worketh what? Tribulation worketh. Okay. That's right. If we've been through some things, we can hope. We can learn to wait because we've seen it before. God has been so good to me as far as some financial things that most things don't scare me anymore because I've seen some huge things and God has miraculously gotten rid of them. So now if I get something, you know, I just, okay, thank you, Jesus. You're going to take care of this. I know you have done this. That's how David was able to face, face Goliath because he said, listen, I've seen this before. You're not bigger than a, than a, than a 600 pound lion, are you? You're not bigger than a 1200 pound grizzly bear, are you? So you uncircumcised Philistine. It's because he had seen some things in his past. He could deal with some things in the future. Amen. So God will give us and has delegated to us. The Bible says he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Amen. So here's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 11. Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. That means as long as your leader is following Christ, it's okay. Now, if they're not, then you don't have to follow them. <laughs> Paul said, listen, you need to listen to what I'm saying as long as I'm, I'm getting it from Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep, what does that say? The ordinances. Now, what he's talking about was not the law. But for any human organization, you do need some rules. Right? We have to agree that we're going to start church at a certain time. If we're going to meet. So it's not a matter of law, but there are certain ordinances that that still have to be put out there if you're going to have any kind of organization or human human, um, uh, human-led thing. So Paul was saying he'd given some general um, rules or ordinances for the functioning of the church. And nothing is wrong with that. They're not, they're not a sin. If you come here a little bit late, we, we won't send you to hell. <laughs> Amen. But there was a need for some ordinances, right? Keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And he's saying, you should because I'm following Christ. Now, Paul was very careful when he was talking personal stuff. He says, listen, I wish you all could be like me and not be married. But I'm not saying don't marry. He did say, though, if you do marry, you're going to have some stuff to deal with. And that's just a fact, right? When you're married or you have children, you can't be 100% totally on the battlefield. You can't be always on the ministry or else you have no family. So he was just giving some things that are common sense. And he was saying, these things, I hope you will listen to me because God has given me this position. So now let's look at some of the ordinances that Paul put forth. I'm, going to, I'm not going to be all of them, but just a few. He, and most of them match up exactly with what Jesus said. 
Paul often emphasized the importance of love and unity. Romans 12, 10 and 1 Corinthians 13. We call that what? The love chapter, right? Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. And we see that most of the things he said, Jesus already said. But he, was, he had been given apostolic authority to give those commands in the church. He said, avoid immorality. He instructed believers to abstain from sexual immorality and to live in a way that what? Honors God, right? With their bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. Prayer and Thanksgiving. We're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. And although it's a secular holiday, I'm going to give God thanks. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give God thanks. You should give God thanks. He's taken you through 11 twelfths of this year. Isn't that something? Amen. Do you know how many people have not made it through this year? I know you got to test me, Brother Joe. Amen. The doctor may say one thing, but if Jesus don't agree, it don't matter. Amen. It does not matter. He says, prayer and thanksgiving. Paul encouraged continuous prayer and giving thanks in all circumstances. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. He gave um, teaching on spiritual gifts. He taught about the use of spiritual gifts within the church and the importance of using them for the common good, not for personal gain or for, for making people think, well, I'm some big shot. No, it's the gifts are for the what? Edification of the church, the strengthening of the church. So he did some teaching on that. He taught about the role of women in the church. And of course, some of the things Paul says people take completely out of out, out of context. Obviously, he wasn't saying people, uh, uh, women should keep silent with no, no words. But you have to under, the, understand the context of a Jewish synagogue in those days. In those days, the men and women did not sit together. The men, in fact, if you've been into an Orthodox synagogue, it's like that. Now they have a, a division and the women sit here and the men sit there. And what was happening in that particular church is they were calling out to each other. That's what he was talking about. Go home and ask questions. Don't do it in the middle of the church and be disturbing the service. That's what he was saying. But people take some of the things Paul says out of context. And he said that he did not suffer a woman to usurp. That means take by force. So if it's not taken by force, it's okay, right? If someone gives that person an authority to speak, then that's not usurpage. That's not taking by force. Um, including teachings on head coverings and speaking to the church. And so he put that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 34 to 35, Timothy 2, 11 to 12. Then he also taught about leadership qualifications, right, for deacons and for bishops or overseers, that they should be what? The husband of one wife, that they should rule their household well, that they should be of good report. Because if, I, if everybody out there thinks I'm a drunkard and a drug addict, What's my witness? I can't win nobody. Who's this person? You mean you got that person as the pastor of your church? I just saw him coming out the dope house, smoking the blunt <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. I get mixed up. I don't know. I'm, I'm so glad God, I have some other problems, but I don't have that one. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, so the delegated authority Help the church progress and get structure. Amen. Paul also spoke about financial giving. Paul spoke about the importance of giving financially to support the church and those in need. That's in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 7. 
He talked about how to deal with sin in the church, how to deal with relations with our brothers and sisters, right? That if you have ought against your brother, how are you supposed to do it? Supposed to go to him, leave your, your gift at the altar, go to him and try and get it out, right? Get it. He taught about Christian liberty. Paul taught about Christian liberty and being considerate of other people's consciences, especially in matters where the scriptures is not explicit. Romans 14 and also 1 Corinthians 8. He said, listen, to me, eating meat to an idol is nothing. Because I know that idol is just a dumb stone. But if my brother thinks it means something, it's going to hurt him. While I'm with him, I'm not going to, you know, upset his conscience. So he says, don't, don't do things for, to, 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 for your brother's weak faith. Because he may see you eating that and thinks, oh, that's terrible. And now he's lost confidence in your message. So he taught about Christian liberty uh, within certain bounds. Of course, some people don't want to obey anything, any kind of rule. Endurance and perseverance. Paul encouraged believers to endure hardship and to preserve, persevere in faith. Second Timothy 2, 3. He's going through some hardship right now, but he'll, he'll live. <laughs> Amen. He taught us about putting on the whole armor of God. That was a commandment. He said, put on in Ephesians 6, what? The whole armor of God, right? We talked about that last week. We were commanded to gird ourselves first with truth. Amen. Put on the breastplate of God's righteousness. Amen. Have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. Amen. And above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby we may be able to withstand the fiery darts. Ooh, sometimes it's fiery. Sometimes it's fiery. And then having the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Amen. That's what we are called to do. Amen. Amen. I'm almost out of time. So next week, we're going to finish up on the commandments and we're going to go, go to the, the last commandments that Jesus spoke to, the seven churches in Revelation. I'm, I'm looking forward to That's going to be great. If you could all stand with me today, amen. Thank you for, for the, your time and, and, and attention. And I think if we were to meditate on some of these words, not my words, but God's words, it would give us so much faith that we have been authorized to go preach the gospel. We have been delegated to lay hands on the sick. Amen. We have been delegated to, to bind and to loose. Amen. We have been delegated to, 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 to seek and to save that which was lost because that has been passed to us. The Bible says he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. It's now up to us to spread God's word, to proclaim God's truth. To preach to those who are hurting. That's what he has called us to do. That's why he called his disciples. And then the Bible says he named them apostles. Gave them a commission. Amen. If you have received the Holy Spirit, you have been commissioned. You may not be an apostle, but you have been commissioned to go out and proclaim God's truth and his word. And tell people there is a heaven. And you don't have to to be lost There is a love that God wants you to understand. There is a grace that can be applied to your life. You can be delivered from addictions. You can be taken out of bondage. Amen. Because there's so many people, even here today, who have that testimony. Amen. If God has delivered you from out of something, raise your hand. Amen. Isn't that a testimony? Amen. God has delivered us from something. Hallelujah. So his word is true. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me, we're going to pray. Ask for God's blessing in the second service. I'm, I'm here to listen. I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm going to soak up God's word. Father, we thank you today.
Lord God, because you have given us authority. Hallelujah. Lord, you said you've given us this ministry of reconciliation. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your love towards that you would even choose us. Lord, that you have given us of your spirit. Lord God, that you have poured out of your love and grace upon our lives. Lord, like Paul, I pray, oh God, that we will not waste your grace, Lord God, but we will work, oh God, in your kingdom and to obey your word of proclaiming it, Lord Jesus. We thank you right now. Lord, we ask you to be in our second service. Lord, bless the speaker, Lord. Bless our worship, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will break every yoke, lift up every heart, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bind up those who are brokenhearted. Set at liberty them that are bound. We thank you right now, and we give you every praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.